Thanks, Karen, for the Bible reading. Uh, Yes, please do keep your Bibles open as we look into these verses. Um, Before we begin, how about I pray? Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you um, that as we dive back into the book of Romans, um, that you are still speaking to us. Um, Help us to see the implications um, of what we've learned so far through the beginning, uh, first 11 chapters of this book. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm guessing we all know someone, maybe a colleague, maybe a client, maybe a friend, a friend of a friend even, uh, but we probably all know someone who thinks quite highly of themselves, let's say, uh, right? Maybe we can sense it from the way that look at other people. Uh, maybe it's a particular tone of voice when they speak to others. Maybe it's their constant talking about themselves because really there's nothing else more interesting than themselves. Uh, And sometimes it can just be a little bit irritating, right, when they dominate all the conversations. Uh, But at other times, it can actually be really unhelpful, right? Uh, Particularly if, say, they're part of a team and they refuse to listen to other people's point of views. Uh, The whole team suffers because of that person. Uh, And I wonder if we've ever met someone who's a follower of Jesus who's a bit like that, right? Uh, And you might think, well, if that's so, then... Something hasn't quite meshed, right? Something's not sitting right. Um, And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul points out to us today. Because remember from last week, we we saw that the first verse of chapter 12 is like a hinge of the entire book of Romans, right? Chapters 1 to 11, the gospel, and then chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, in light of God's mercy, and then we get the rest of the letter. And the thing that Paul mentions first, right, having understood the gospel and what it means for us, it's not that we have a whole bunch of new rules to follow, but first and foremost, it's a whole shift, a new way of life, right? Uh, Fighting back against the pressures of this world, trying to mold us into its pattern. It's being transformed by the renewing of our mind according to God's values and God's ways. And so, what does this look like? Again, notice the first word of verse 3 again. For. For. This is all one big logical statement, right? It's all linking to each other. What does a proper worship look like? What does rejecting the pattern of the world and what does renewing of our minds look like? Well, it's not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, but rather thinking of ourselves with sober judgment. Now, what does that mean? Sober judgment. It means we have a firm grip of reality as we look in the mirror. As we might be tempted to compare ourselves to the people around us. Uh, And looking back at the first 11 chapters of Romans, how might the gospel change our perspective on how we see ourselves and how we see people around us, right? What might we now understand in view of God's mercy? Well, We're all in the same boat, aren't we? Before we receive God's mercy. We were all sinners deserving of wrath. And we are now, if we have accepted Jesus, we are now all in the same boat as well. We are all made righteous because of what God has done, because of his gift. But you can probably see how, you know, Paul is writing to the Romans, right? In a big city, the capital of the Roman Empire, there probably is like a big divide between the really elite, the wealthy, the people who have status, and the people who are just, you know, living on the streets, right? 
Uh, some might view themselves as being more valuable in society. Uh, and as much as we in Australia have our poor, uh, tall poppy syndrome, we still say things like, oh, that's so-and-so, he's worth that much, right? how much he earns. We still implicitly judge others by their profession, by their income, by how much they contribute to society or whatnot. And so for us today, maybe if Paul was to speak this to us, maybe it'd be like, it doesn't matter if you're an executive manager in a multinational company, right? It doesn't matter if you're on the dole. It doesn't matter if you're still getting your qualifications through TAFE or uni. It doesn't matter if, like me, you're working an entry-level part-time data entry job on the side. None of these things matters. None of these things mean you are to look down on others. And I'm going to add something extra here that the, the text doesn't say. But none of these things means that you are to think of yourselves as less valuable in God's eyes compared to others as well. Because let's be clear here. Paul isn't saying that we should be thinking less of what we are, right? It's not that somehow we are more godly when we are competing for the honor of being the most self-deprecating and have the lowest self-esteem, right? Because we do have great worth, don't we? Recall how Paul describes us now, right? Remember chapter 8? We are no longer in the realm of the flesh, but realm of the spirit. We are the children of God. We are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. We will one day then who cares how much money you have in this short life that we have? Who cares how fantastic your, your fancy new toy is that no one else around you has? Who cares what score you got in your year 12 exams, right? Think of yourselves with sober judgment. But Paul elaborates further because it seems that Paul has a specific issue, right? Maybe it's something that's happening in the Roman church that, that he has in mind, but he has a specific issue that he now deals with. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, have one, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So maybe something's going on in the Roman church where people are judging themselves based on their contribution to church or, or their gifts, right? Uh, now, when we read these verses, you might immediately jump to another passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, which is a bit more fleshed out, right? Paul um, covers in a lot more detail what, uh, what this metaphor is talking about. But for today, let's just stick to Romans and, and just flesh out what Paul is saying here. Uh, what is he saying? Why shouldn't we be thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought? Well, first, let's just note here, all these gifts that we have, well, they're gifts. <laughs> They've been given to us by grace, right? So, so, so we get this idea that, okay, salvation is a gift. Is it a bit harder for us to accept that our abilities, where we are today, is a gift from God? But of course, we would do well to remember, you know, how is it that I even had the opportunity to study, even if you study hard, right? To have access to the right educational opportunities and resources. Uh, for me, was it to my credit that I was born into a family that was able to migrate to Australia and have these opportunities that I had? That my family was able to afford the tuition or all these fees to get me to wherever I am now? Is it to my credit that I somehow possessed the right chemistry, the, the genes, the biology in my body and my brains to be able to be capable of learning certain skills, to do certain things that others weren't, right? Behind all our circumstances, yes, we put in the hard work, yes, 
We do work hard. But behind all those circumstances is God. The God who, by his grace, has given us those opportunities. And so all that we have, our abilities, that's also God's gift. But also what Paul is saying here is that it's not the individual gifts that matters, but it's the body as a whole that matters, right? The church, Christ's body. And I think we've all here witnessed uh, maybe even being part of a team where members are just not working towards the same goal, right? Uh, the image that comes to mind was when I was visiting churches up in Brisbane many years ago. Uh, I won't name the church, but don't worry, it's not you guys. Uh, the worship team got up for service, and it was really impressive. They had the lights. They created the light, right mood, the dim lights and the, the colorful spotlights. They had all the fancy lyrics, right? Animated slides of lyrics and oh, oh, wow, what a mood. They had all the gear, right? Each singer, each musician, the drummer, the guitarist was each wearing a wireless headset in their ears and they had the blingest, fanciest instruments on stage. But as soon as they started playing, right away you could tell something was not right, right? And it wasn't that these musicians weren't skilled in what they were doing. You could tell that they were good at playing their instruments. They had the technique, all the training, but the problem was they each played for themselves. Each was playing at max volume. Each were playing fancy feels and flourishes at every moment. The drummer looked like he was playing in a heavy metal band. They were all playing for themselves. And at the end, the end result was that it all just clashed really badly. At one point, I could see the, the song leader putting her hand against the headset because she couldn't hear the melody. With all their expensive gear and tech, with all their skills and training, it sounds harsh, but they completely failed in what they were supposed to be doing, in leading the church to worship and praise God. Now, on the flip side, Sarah and I, the, other, the, the following week, visited another church. This one I will name. Uh, this church was 517. Who, who remembers 517 Church? Unfortunately, they're not around anymore. Uh, but that church had a very modest band, only a, a few instruments, they didn't play anything fancy or impressive, but they fit together really well. They complemented each other. They, they were playing for the same goal, not trying to outshine each other, but to serve the church. And that really short worship session was one of the most enjoyable. I still remember it to this day because it was such a big contrast to the previous week, right? How much difference does it make when the members of Christ's body are working, not for themselves, but for the sake of the whole body. But what does this look like in practice? Uh, Paul gives us a few more examples here. So let's just quickly skim through what Paul brings up as gifts to serve the body. Prophesying, right? Which is probably in this context, uh, talking about expounding God's word, receiving insight from God and, and being able to explain it. Uh, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. Right? These are the gifts that Paul lists. And look at, looking at this list, one thing that jumps out as, is just how varied these uh, items are, right? And so a, a natural question coming out of this passage like this is for us to stop and ask, well, even if you are someone serving or if you're not serving, well, what are the gifts that God has given us? Uh, 
it could be something that relates obviously to some sort of ministry, right? Maybe you're really good with kids, maybe you're really passionate about music, maybe you've had experience leading a Bible study um, group before, or it might be something less obvious, right? Not relating to church ministries. It could be a hobby, right? Are you into arts and crafts? Are you good at building stuff with your hands? Are you a good organizer of events or people? Uh, Do you love meeting new people and getting to know them? Uh, Are you someone who prefers working behind the scenes? Are you someone who doesn't mind doing the mundane tasks that others wouldn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole, right? We all have our gifts. We're all made differently. God has gifted us in different ways. And so particularly, uh, if serving isn't something that you've thought about seriously before, have you given much thought about what your gifts might be first? Right? And then the next step would be to ask ourselves, well, how can I use this gift of mine to serve others in the church? Now, just a quick caveat here. I already mentioned this last week because I want to be careful how I project this message because I know that some of us here have gone through ministry burnout before, right? Uh, that because of various circumstances or outside pressures, Maybe we were overloaded with ministry. Maybe we were given all these responsibilities and and no one was supporting us. We might have quite negative feelings around serving the church. And if this is you, I I really don't want this message to be just another guilt trip, right? That if you don't sign up to serve formally, then you're a substandard Christian or anything like that. That's not not the point of this. Um, Some of you might right now (laughs) might be bordering on overwork, um, or burnout at this moment, right? In a small church like ours, let's, let's be honest, right? Uh, many of us do currently have many different roles because there aren't as many people to do the, the work, right? On top of our family responsibilities, on top of our work responsibilities. So can I just throw it out there that if this is something that you're struggling with, either now or if just the idea, the thought of serving just really puts you off, can you come and chat with me afterwards? Uh, Shoot me a message or even if you don't want to talk today because I want to talk and understand what you've been through to see how we can sort of process and and work through these negative experiences together. And that's a real offer. Whenever I say these things, no one ever comes to me, but just putting it out there. Uh, But back to our passage today. Uh, Another thing to note as we look at this list is that, well, again, (laughs) we really can't limit this to any sort of formal ministry, can we? Because sure, there are some formal ones in here, like prophesying, teaching, leading, but the other gifts, encouraging, giving, showing mercy, these are gifts that hopefully you can see that it's it's not confined to any sort of formal role. It's not just for a select few that's responsible, right? And what this means for us is that ministry, serving the body of Christ, it's not something that you have to sign up to at church to do. Uh, particularly for those of us who have a lower capacity due to various reasons. Maybe it's a stage of life, maybe it's health issues, family constraints. Uh, I remember when um, Sarah first had Beth, um, and I was at Bible college at the time, and she was sharing with the group we were were in that for the first few months, first year even, she really struggled with the fact that she just didn't have the time or energy to do as much, if any, church ministry during that stage of life. And she began to feel like she wasn't contributing, that she really struggled to how, to, in, in how she viewed herself as a productive Christian. But looking at this list here, 
can we just see the great value of service beyond any sort of formal church service, right? Investing time in the family, raising children in the Lord, that's a huge blessing to the body of Christ, isn't it? That's a ministry that starts right from birth, even if it's not going to involve any preaching of the gospel with words, so to speak, right? Not to mention, doing that well, prioritizing the family is a great encouragement to others in the church, an encouragement to show your dependency on God as we struggle through how hard this stage of life might be, asking for prayer, asking for others to, to serve us and using their gifts that God has given them, right? But serving, not just being a formal role, means that we can also think very creatively about it, can't we? Uh, just one example that I thought of is, do you realize how much of a ministry your presence, each and every one of you, your presence here on a Sunday actually is, right? As we sometimes, in the last couple of weeks, we need to scramble to get more rows of chairs at the back because we're getting so full. That's a huge encouragement to all of us, I hope you can see, right? To see that so many of us are, are willing to get up early in a cold, chilly morning to come to worship, Right? Because we know how hard it is to get the kids ready into the car and on time. We know how, how much easier it is to, to keep sleeping in bed in our warm dunas, right? Instead of getting up. Instead of enjoying a fancy latte at a, and, and brunch at a fancy cafe down the road. Seeing everyone forego that luxury and coming up is just a blessing. That serves everyone. And of course, what this means is that, well, no one is exempt from this, from this list, are they? Right? Again, sure, not everyone can be a teacher or a leader. We're not all gifted in the same ways, but all of us can show mercy, right? All of us can encourage. All of us can give. And I'm so thankful for uh, the work that Sandra and the newly formed welcoming team are, are putting together every week. Thanks for that. Like, that's really amazing. But I hope for the rest of us, now that we have an official welcoming team, we don't just think, Great, I don't have to worry about welcoming anymore, right? Because we can all say hi to people new at church. We can all be asking how we can be praying for one another. We can all offer to grab a coffee for someone else, right, while, while during the coffee break time. And that's just one example. No matter who you are, if you have received Christ, if you have accepted that your sins are forgiven, then you've been gifted to serve the body. Doesn't matter if it's not flashy, right? It doesn't matter if you can't play the piano as well as Isaac or Lydia. It doesn't matter if you, you don't have the technical skills to work the AV desk as good as the guys up back. God has given us gifts to serve the body. Now, with all this talk about using our gifts, um, I want to be clear here. As we read this passage, the use of our gifts is not actually the big idea. Because there's actually a bigger issue behind the outworking of serving one another. And that's actually the issue of our attitude towards serving. Right? Not, not just whether we are using our gifts or not, but the motivation, the heart that lies behind the use of our gifts. Because if we think back to the thrust of the whole section, which is about humility in light of God's mercy, in light of the gospel, if we have a heart that gets God's mercy, then how we serve completely changes, doesn't it? 
right? Their heart behind that service changes. So notice how Paul emphasizes here that not just there are different gifts, but more importantly, he describes the proper use of these gifts. We are to prophesy in accordance with our faith. We are to give generously. We are to lead diligently. We are to show mercy cheerfully, right? Picture of not just working hard, but working hard because it's coming from an overflow, right? It's like we're bursting out a well, or bursting out with joy and thankfulness from within, right? Serving, using our gifts with a smile on our faces as we do it. But I'll be the first to tell you that that's hard to do, particularly week in, week out, isn't it? How often do we find ourselves not serving in these ways that we give, but we give begrudgingly, We can serve, but sometimes that can be tinged with resentment, asking, why am I the only one doing this, right? Why aren't more people uh, putting their hands up and helping out more? We can volunteer with an eye to serve ourselves, to think that this would make me look good instead of serving the church. What's in it for me? We can minister not out of generosity, but just doing the bare bare minimum for whatever reason. Or maybe it might not be so much that we are resentful or particularly negative, but ministry has just become mundane, routine, right? We're just going through the motions, right? Rocking up to do another task because we just have to get through it. What is our attitude when it comes to serving God? And so here are some questions for us to reflect on our hearts. How much joy do we have in our serving? How much is it out of thankfulness? Each time that we anticipate serving, right, do we come thirsting that that God's name would be honored and magnified? Is that why we do it? How much do I see my serving as a privilege instead of a burden? And some of these questions are really tough. (laughs) If we're going to be honest with ourselves, this is a hard standard to, to keep up every single week if we are serving every single week. And if we stop to think about our hearts, and have found a mismatch with what we read here in, God's, uh, in Paul's letter, what's the solution? It's actually the same as last week, right? Let's follow Paul's train of thought through the connecting words of this passage, right? Why do we serve like this? It's because we are not to think more highly of ourselves. Why not? Because we are to have transformed minds. We are not to be conformed by the pattern of this world. We are to offer our lives as sacrifices, living sacrifices to God. Why? Because this is all a response to the gospel, right? Remember verse 1? Therefore, in light of God's mercy, if we get the gospel, if we understand the fullness of what God has done, that God ha- what God has rescued us out of, then serving like this is, it should be natural, shouldn't it? And so the solution, if we keep finding ourselves that our serving is no longer joyful or thankful. The solution is to keep holding on to the gospel. Right? Remember how we have been transferred from the realm of sin and death into the kingdom of eternal life. Remember that we who were God's enemies are now adopted into God's own family. Remember the significance of why we serve. We're not just another club, right? Another organization trying to maximize our profits or sort of provide some sort of temporary satisfaction or happiness in the world. But God has called us. 
his body to be salt and light in the world. That together, working alongside God, we can call others into the same, the same blessing, the same gift, the same blessing that we have received. Sins forgiven, God's wrath taken away from them. How awesome is that? And so let us remember. Let us remember how important it is. Let us remember what God has done for us as we continue to humbly serve the body of Christ together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you once again for your gospel. And once again, we ask that your gospel, as familiar as we are with it, as week by week we hear what you have done for us, we're reminded of grace, of your love, of your mercy and compassion, we pray that that will work its way deep into our hearts, transforming us, that we might keep growing in our humility. We pray that if we are able, seeing the reality of our situation, we might be able to look for ways to be able to serve you. And again, Father, I just pray for those amongst us who might have had negative experiences with serving at the church. We pray for those who might be going through really um, tough times at the moment, whether in ministry, whether in um, their own personal situations. Father, will you be with them? May this sermon not be a guilt trip for them, but Lord, restore them. Restore them to full health, spiritually, physically, mentally. And we pray that as we process this together as the body of Christ, you might enable us all to use our gifts joyfully for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.